Hello, I'm James. Hi, I'm Jimmy. Welcome to A Job Done Well, the podcast about the world of work and how to improve the daily grind. Good morning. How's your week been? Morning. Yeah, it's all right. I'm glad you asked me first this week, James. You can make out like you're a thoughtful, caring person that's interested in other people's views. It's all a sham. It certainly is. No, my week's been okay. I was going to share one experience with you. I was renewing my daughter's mobile phone uh-huh. with three. And mobile phone companies, I mean, they just frustrate the life out of you. She's come to the end of her contract, but three will offer new customers better deals than existing customers. Yeah. So they don't want to retain you. Yeah. Okay, so I'll get a new deal with three. But then she can't switch her phone number from an old deal with three to a new deal with three. Yeah. So it's actually easier to go to another company. Yeah, but to do that, you have to find the pack code. Yes, and that is a Kafkaesque nightmare. Wherever you look, wherever you turn, you're frustrated. And I just think mobile phone companies should do better. Anyway, I had a much more positive week. I went to the theatre last night. We went to see a play called Woman in Black. You're so highbrow, James. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, I have not been so scared in my entire life. It was really well done. A couple of people on stage. All it was was your imagination, a couple of chairs and some sound effects. And I was scared witless. It was so bad. My 15-year-old daughter threw me out of bed so she could sleep next to my wife. And I had to sleep in the spare room last night. She was that scared. So what we're talking about this week? So this week we are talking about um, office politics, the uh, workplace warfare, or is it? And so go on, give me a definition. You're a bit the master of the dark arts what's the definition of politics so surprisingly james i do actually own a dictionary so i thought that was a good point to uh, start so a couple of definitions of politics uh, and we don't mean you know this week we're not trying to compete with the rest of his politics no. and alistair and rory can relax we're talking about politics within the workplace so a couple of definitions for you activities aimed at improving somebody's status or increasing power within an organization. Yeah. Or the relationships within a group or organization that allow particular people to have power over others. And then go on, so what does it mean to play politics? Play politics to act for political or personal gain rather than from principle. Yeah, I know a couple of them. And the one I like is real politics, a German phrase, but that means politics based on practical objectives rather than ideals. Um, and so the real bit there means sort of practical or actual. And so it's sort of pragmatic politics. So an example of that would be on what's going on in Israel at the moment and Palestine and the release of hostages. People have obviously put aside their ethical positions to make sure that things get done. So, you know, real politics is a good thing. Yeah, and then the uh, opposite of that really is Machiavellian politics. So divorcing politics from ethics cunning scheming and unscrupulous especially in politics yeah i know a couple of people like that there was a great i remember oh this is about five years ago you described somebody who i shall not uh, read name but as having more faces than big ben i like that turn of phrase that don't you (laughs) described the said individual beautifully anyway how many political faces have you got jimmy well i think the thing about office politics is seen as a dirty word and it's not really something that people discuss in any detail or work through plan for manage it is it's something to to be avoided but for me i think 
there is that Machiavellian side to it, and that's the one that we always think about. But actually, it is about influence and relationships. And so therefore, to me, it is something that, you know, and it helps you really get things done. Yeah. What about you? What's your perspective? I suspect you're different from me on this one. I am not nearly as politically adept as I might be. And for me, it just gets in the way. But I don't think you can avoid it. I mean, it's driven by human ego and it's just inevitable. So I read a, a really interesting article in the Harvest Business Review about office politics. And this person who'd become the world expert in office politics, I took two things from it. First, they said that all the sessions that they did, they asked people to say the three words that came to their mind about office politics. 99% yeah. of the words were negative. Yeah. Secondly, they said that in their career, they had always taken the moral high ground and said, I don't do office politics, I don't get involved. And then quite a way through their career, they got made redundant and they reflected on it and realised that because they hadn't done office politics and hadn't managed it at all, that's the reason why they got made redundant. It wasn't just a numbers thing. It was somebody somewhere had decided it was them. Yeah, I can sympathise with that. And for me, I think, well, it's everywhere. So my mother is on the local parish council. This is in a sleepy little village. And um, the politics there is rife. It is absolutely everywhere. You look, a friend of mine, Chris, has got this rule of thirds. He says when he was working, he spent one third of his time politicking, another third of his time being politics, and the final third doing something useful. I like Chris's rule of thirds. I, I do think that that's part of the reason why we're talking about it today. If you can expand that third where you're doing something useful or manage more effectively the other two thirds, you're going to achieve a load more. The other thing that, that I'd observe is I think there are splits in how people manage politics yeah. or think about it. I think there are 10% of people who relish it. They roll their sleeves up. They love the cut and thrust of it. There are then 10% of people who like the person in the Harvard article. You know, I don't do it. Claim the moral high ground. And then there are 80% of people who are a bit passive. And yeah. they, just, they just get buffeted around by it. The 10% who relish it, we're not necessarily talking to them today. The 10% who are in the ostrich camp, we're talking to them as you can't be an ostrich. And the 80% of people, we're going to give some helpful hints and tips on how you can manage it. Yeah. And it's, it's not all bad. It's like that saying about the force, isn't it? Do you remember that? Use the force, Luke. There's a good side to the force and there's a bad side to the force. So go on, some good things about politics. Well, I think it can really help you about building relationships. It can be a way of getting things done. Yeah. And for me, one which, and I never really thought of as politicking, but actually networking, getting out there and understanding what people's problems and opportunities were and finding out different things you can do is, it's absolutely politics. Yeah. And I think it's really key how you personally think about it. If you view it as a Machiavellian scheming thing, you're going to behave one way. If you see it as a way of getting things done and that's your mindset you can have a completely different attitude towards it yeah so how would you recommend people deal with politics then got a um really good acronym that we, we this made is up. not true we have not got a really good acronym jimmy has got an acronym and it's a rubbish one right james collective responsibility yeah, that's on. something you don't understand again politics yeah anyhow we were talking about it and we realized that there are three 
dimensions that you look at and one of them is minimize how do you minimize the amount of politics and the amount of the two-thirds you experience within your team or your organization understanding understanding how you get things done and then the reality is it's going to exist so how do you manage it so that's it minimize understand manage yeah mum mum so easy to remember yeah easy to remember and a bit rubbish well done jimmy creatively inspirational anyway why would you minimize if you foster cooperation within your team you can get more things done and one of the best ways to do that and we keep going back around the same circle is this whole thing about clarity of purpose so if everybody knows what they are trying to do then that is a great way of taking politics out of the situation because if there isn't that clarity of purpose, it just becomes a void and agendas materialize and everybody's in it for themselves. So that will be the first thing I would recommend, just really clear about what you're trying to achieve. And you need to have that purpose and what happens in a void, we've discussed. I think you have to hold people to account to do things that align with that organization's purpose and call out when they don't, when they have their own agendas that aren't aligned with the overall purpose. And now another point is really, you just have to be stupid if you're creating unnecessary competition within your organization. Um, now, my personal hot point, a lot of people do this, the whole thing about ranking and stacking personnel and saying who's best based on their perceived performance just creates a whole lot of politics in an organization. It's almost like that conversation, which of your children do you prefer? If you can create equality amongst people, then you will minimize the politics. Yeah, and don't give people reasons to be unhappy about things. Quite often, we create systems and processes that drive discontent. Be transparent about it. Be open about the reason why things are, are happening a certain way. I think that then takes the, the heat and the politics out of things. Yeah, and it also removes people's misunderstanding and motivations if you're transparent. At the end of the day, if you see things happen and you don't understand them and nobody's been transparent around them, you make up your own story. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of the time you're not going to be right. So you know, clear communication can also help you know, minimize the amount of politics that exists in the organization. So I think it is about creating alignment. So alignment on outcomes, alignment on behaviors, alignment on values. So the more you can be clear on what those things are and create alignment, the, the, the more politics disappears. And another thing that I think you can do, which really helps minimize um, politics in a situation is stick your hand up when things go wrong, because if you taking responsibility for things and don't turn around and blame other people for it, when things go wrong, then you might say it makes you feel vulnerable, but it does take the sting out and it makes it a lot easier for people to trust you. I think you're right, James. There are certain behaviours that really do help take the sting out of politics. Things like vulnerability, you know, honesty, openness. It's quite hard in the face of people behaving like that to uh, really be really Machiavellian. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's ultimately all about trust, isn't it? Of course, there is also the um, ultimate minimisation strategy, mm. which is, you know, walk away from the situation. I mean, I've left an organisation as a result of the not being able to cope with the politics there. There have been times when I felt really uncomfortable about it. I hate the idea of self-promotion and I've, I have damaged my career by not applying for jobs 
where that was the gain, but is that really damage? You know, if you don't like it, don't get involved. So we've had minimize, next understand it. I think being aware of what the politics are in an organization is really important because then you don't trip over. Now, an obvious one is understanding what the informal networks are. Whenever I've started working for a new organization, you soon start to discover who went to school with who, who's followed who around different organizations and where allegiances lie. And it's just understanding those things is really important. And then the other thing is being clear about what are appropriate ways of behaving in an organization. So if it's expected that you will challenge ideas, that's one thing. If it's expected that you won't, then that's another. But you just need to understand what those ways of behaviors are. When I joined one organization, I started expecting challenge from my team. I just didn't get In my previous organization, I used to get a lot of challenge from my team. And, and so I hadn't really understood that it wasn't an environment where people challenged. They just did what the leader says. And I was used to people challenging what I said so that we could get to a better answer. So I think it is a great point, James, about understanding the kind of behavioral norms in an organization and formal networks. You know, you, you join an organization, you look at structure chart, don't you? Yeah. What, what's the hierarchy? Who yeah. reports who? That's not how things get done. Yeah. So I think really understanding within any organization who are the people of influence and it it isn't always the most senior people my advice is always stay the right side of the exec assistants of the senior folk oh absolutely and the person on reception because they do talk now another one i think is understanding what people's maps of the world are so this this thing called neuro-linguistic programming and one of the things that they will talk about is everybody carries in their brain a map of how the world works of course, that isn't a reality of what, how the world works. It's just how they believe it works. But understanding that and understanding people's motivations and being able to predict the way they will behave will really help you. In another, another way of understanding that really helped me uh, on one of the courses I did a, a few years ago was the ticking model. When you're approaching somebody, you've got a meeting with them or you bump into them or whatever it is, think about what's going on for them, what's ticking in their head. And it won't necessarily be the subject that you're talking about. It might be on the way to work, they had a really challenging journey. It might be they didn't sleep well the previous night. It might be some challenges they've got at home. It might be they're fed up because their football team's doing really bad. It, there's a million things that can be influencing someone's behavior. And you tend to think it is just you and the subject you're talking about. Thinking a little bit more empathetically about what's going on for them can help you figure out how you communicate and approach them. Yeah, that's um, one of my bigger faux pas. I remember walking into my boss's office. He never had the door closed and he never had the blinds down, but he had the blinds down and the door closed. Anyway, he just had a chat with somebody and the door opened and I was just as I was walking past and I said, what's going on in here then? You've got blood on the walls. And he just sacked him. It was my best moment. So the ticking model, understanding what's going on very helpful but it plays back to Stephen Covey's book doesn't it the seven habits first one seek first to understand and then be understood so understanding what people want and why they want it before you start putting your own point across really very important the seven habits is a great book so anyone who hasn't read it it's, it's very simple straightforward stuff but it really does make a big difference one of those habits seek first to understand is important because sometimes office politics can be quite subtle it isn't always great big grandstanding things that hit you like a sledgehammer 
sometimes it can be really, really subtle behaviors, subtle ways of getting things done. So it's important to really take the time to understand. Anyhow, that's kind of the second part. Yeah. The third L, the third bit, M, stands for manage it. So how do you manage things ethically, Jimmy? How do you get things done? Your, your point's a good one, yeah. Manage things ethically. You have to think about where your comfort zone is on this because I think a lot of people just take the attitude, I don't play politics, I'm not getting involved. And I think that is incredibly naive. But I do think you need to reframe. So reframing your attitude, thinking about what would be the most helpful attitude that you could have towards politics, rather than thinking it's a horrible, corrosive thing, actually thinking about it as a, a way to get things done. Another one of the seven habits, thinking win-win. Yeah. So trying to find things that are wins for you and wins for everyone else, yeah. you know, that, that can help you change your attitude towards it. I had a, a really great uh, example of how I changed my views around one aspect of politics when I had a, bo a conversation with a, a boss of ours, Lee Powell, and Lee talked to me about how I managed stakeholders. And I, I had this slightly naive attitude that you do a, do a job well, your boss will appreciate it, and he'll tell everyone you're doing a great job. And Lee said to me, look, you know, I don't have the time to share what you've achieved with everyone. You need to do that. You need to take some responsibility for sharing it. But the reason why you're sharing it isn't to show off. It's to show people some of the lessons that you've learned, some of the successes that you've had, so they can learn from it. So your sharing is helping people learn. And that really helped me reframe because I, A, I thought, yeah, Lee's right. It's not his responsibility to do it. It's mine. And B, I'm doing it for the sake of helping people learn, not just showboating. So that's a good example of, of, of reframing. I think also investing time in stakeholder management is key. Spending time with people around the organizations when you want to get stuff done, a great example, when I used to take stuff to a board meeting, I would always think in advance what would be the different attitudes of the board members. We would have one board member who was really into the detail, quite risk averse. So quite often I'd go and see him in advance and spend some time with him so that A, I could understand what his concerns were. B, he could get the opportunity to understand the detail ahead of a board meeting. And therefore, he was often a bit more, you know, predisposed to what we were talking about. So it's that sort of thing. In investing time outside of meetings can quite often save you time in meetings and make the uh, outcomes more successful. Yeah. Um, and I know it sounds like it's creating extra work, but if you don't and you get in the way, then in the long term, it will um, it'll cost you. So it really is an investment of time to get to where you want to be. Now, another thing, and this, I suppose, my personal weakness is just thinking about how you actually show up in an environment, because you might think you aren't political, but everybody casts a shadow. So on a couple of occasions, much to my sins, I have said and done things which, with the benefit of hindsight, really stupid. I remember on one occasion walking into a meeting room and saying, yeah, we've just killed all these projects, isn't it great? and looking around the room and then realizing that there were about six or seven people around the room who'd invested a couple of million quid in these projects. And was I really surprised when they weren't with me when I said what we were going to do next? Now, 
I would say to this day that we were doing exactly the right thing and we should have killed the projects. They were a waste of time. But with the benefit of hindsight, that really was a cack-handed way of going about things. But, as, you know, that is a great example where your attitude was, this is the right answer, but your way of going about it didn't get people on the side. No, absolutely not. So I think the other thing to, to have a think about is you might think you're not political, but everyone casts a shadow within their organisation. And sometimes people forget that people have perceptions of you and your role based on what your job title is. And I used to think I'm quite reproachable, so therefore I'm not intimidating. And somebody pointed out as chief operating officer, just because you were doing that job, you were intimidating. So I think you have a reputation. It might be, in your view, unintentionally scary, but you need to think about how you're showing up because people will have perceptions that in turn creates politics and you have to dismantle some of those perceptions in order to get stuff done. Yeah, and that for me personally, with the benefit of hindsight, again, there have been numerous occasions where I've got to the point, I've been on the money, I'd stick to it, but it's just scary for people and it's not helped me in any way, shape or form. So another thing there is I think just it's good to understand other people's maps of the world, but do you know your map of the world? Do you understand what's driving you? Because if you can understand that, that will really help in the way you interact with others as well. Here's some, some really good ways of managing your way around politics, thinking about stakeholders, how you show up, how you influence people, reframing. They're all good techniques for helping manage politics. But you've got to get a balance between how you, wrong words, but how you play politics and being true to yourself. You know, you know it's very easy to say, well, I said the right thing, but if it didn't make a damn difference, was it really the right thing to do? Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's a great point. And your example is a good, good one that highlights that. You were saying, in theory, the right thing. These projects shouldn't exist. But... You know, does speaking your mind does does speaking your mind change the situation? Actually, in that example, speaking your mind had the opposite effect. It meant that people weren't supportive of your suggestion of the the way forward. So I think yes, it's great to speak your mind and say what you think, but do think about is it going to cause a good outcome? Is it going to change things the way that you want it to? Yeah, I've had a flashback. This is like one of my one-to-ones from 10 years ago. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So overall, our view is you have to embrace it more. It's not about workplace warfare. It's about getting things done. And a helpful way is my my acronym. Yeah, go talk to your mum. So remember, what does that mean? First of all, you've got to minimise the politics. And for me, the key thing there really is just getting really cute about purpose so that everybody knows what they are trying to do. So you make sure that everyone's aligned to that purpose and hold them accountable for behaving in line with that purpose. And another really powerful thing, not that this ever happens to me, is but admit when you've got something wrong because that will really take the sting out of the situation. And then you understand, really understand how things are done around here. Yeah. So first of all, think about people's desires and motivations, what's making them tick. Understand the informal networks. And also, particularly if you're about to say something really stupid, understand yourself. And then, accepting that politics probably is going to exist, manage. How do you manage 
the politics within your organisation to ensure you are as effective as possible. So there, it's all about reframing. You've got to reframe it and realise that it's not a waste of time and it's not one-upmanship, it's a valuable activity. And invest time in relationships and communication. So there you've got it, office politics. It's not workplace warfare. No, just think mum. Hopefully you've found this episode interesting and enjoyable. If you have, we have a, a small call to action for you. Please share it with one person. We're really keen to uh, get the uh, information out there that we're sharing. Yeah, and if you've got any questions this week, we had a look. We opened the old inbox and it was like tumbleweed. As Jimmy said, it was like on one of those WebExes, you know, one of those big corporate WebExes when you say, are there any questions? And then um, there aren't any, and it all goes very horribly quiet. But then I pointed out to Jimmy that nobody's used WebEx in 10 years, so I'm feeling quite smug about that. Anyway, thank you very much for your time. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Cheers now. Cheers. If you'd like to find out more about how James and I can help your business, then have a look at our website, jobdonewell.com. <laughs>